Hey everybody, and thanks for listening to Starting a Record Label. This is a podcast that occasionally is about starting a record label. This week we talk with Brian Bushell. He's a filmmaker that's worked with a ton of uh, my favorite bands, basically. Uh, we got MXPX, the Ataris, Goldfinger, Five Iron Frenzy, Slick Shoes, Simple Plan, Amber Lynn, and he's done a few feature films as well. He talks about like what we as like artists and labels should be doing is for video today. What kind of a video setup he recommends for bands and indie labels. Links will be in the description below for some of the stuff he talks about. He talks about how he got into video and how he directed a video over the internet during COVID shot on an iPhone for MXPX. The video is called Worries. It's linked below if you want to check it out. If you like the podcast, do us a favor and subscribe. You can subscribe on Spotify, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, we got video on YouTube, or basically any podcast app. Last but not least, if you're interested in being on the label, head on over to nottodayrobot.com and put in all your information. But without further ado, Brian Bouchel. So sweet. Uh, We kind of come from the same world, but obviously we've never met before, which is kind of ruined because we were supposed to hang out like a month and a half ago <laughs> and uh when i came to town uh i was actually preparing uh we did all these crazy things to make sure that we did not get our parents coronavirus if we brought it on the plane somehow or whatever yeah and what happened was we got it i think from my wife's parents <laughs> so i was like well we're screwed <laughs> i'm just glad and that you guys... was the whole vacation <laughs> yeah no i look i mean i was looking forward to spending time with you but i'm just glad you're okay now and i'm sorry about your vacation oh well i'm glad you guys didn't get it right you didn't get it yeah we actually thought uh that we did have it when got we quarantined and we were not around any of her side of the family and i think that prevented us from getting it mm. because her whole side of the family got it so yeah i think because we were thought we had it that prevented us from getting it oddly yeah so no we're we're knock on wood good for right now it's pretty good <laughs> just crazy like because we, <laughs> we had to sit there doing nothing for like a month and a half so anyway that was over uh it was actually kind of a good reset for me and for this a little bit so that's nice uh, but again backing up after all that garbage uh we kind of come from the same area uh where did you actually grow up you're from chicagoland area too right yeah, yeah. I actually grew up in Florida, uh, oh, in a suburb of Tampa, and then I moved up. Uh, I was born up here, grew up down there, and then uh, moved back for high school and then uh, college. And so I moved to Crown Point. So that was oh, kind cool. of my area. Crown Point, Indiana, if you're not from Indiana uh, listening to this. I went to Boone Grove High School. Okay, yeah. I, so we were in uh, <laughs> just outside of the Four Seasons. So we were actually very close to you guys. Yeah, dude, you are practically freaking down the road from me, I'm sure. I'm sure we were um, in, uh, like, at shows together at some point. I'm sure. I mean, did you go to the Night Owl? And oh, what dude. was the other one that yeah. was? Yeah, the Night Owl was yeah. incredible. Like, nobody yeah. knows about the Night Owl. I saw, uh, <laughs> my favorite show I ever saw there was uh, Squad 5-0 and Calibretto 13. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, 15 kids there, maybe, and it was incredible. It happened quite often. I mean, I remember seeing uh, Zao at a show there, and I think it was on like December twenty eighth, and they got they got hit by a semi truck, and they still made it, and there was like twelve kids there. So <laughs> it was fun. It was great for me, but I remember like getting to the door, and the guy at the door was like, "Great, thanks for the ten dollars. Now I only owe them four hundred and ninety dollars." <laughs> you know, like, okay, that's actually cheap to be honest. But yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure we were at shows together. That's that's pretty cool. In school. Uh, 
so how did you get involved then in because uh, you do, you shoot uh, music videos uh, and you've done so for MXPX, the Ataris, Slick Shoes, uh, some Five Iron Frenzy stuff, right? And I even saw mm. you, you did like some horror movie stuff on like Amazon Prime. <laughs> so like how did how did you get involved in that kind of stuff? Oh, man, uh, I think there's kind of a offshoot to a lot of that. It's a it's a loaded question. Um, essentially, I got out of college and I, I, w- I went for aviation. So I'm a pilot by by trade. And uh, I, I got out of college right as they extend mandatory retirement in the airlines from 60 to 65. So they essentially froze hiring for five years. And so I was working at Best Buy and flying cargo routes whenever I could during the night. And uh, that creates a weird, you know, you don't have a lot of time for friends in there. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I've always wanted to learn how to do video production. So, you know, jumped on YouTube and uh, you know, I grew up at, in in Florida, so we were always at Disney. We had annual passes, and so like I'm a mm. huge Disney fan. But uh, at the time, it was called MGM, now Hollywood Studios. You know, they yeah. it was the whole how to make movies, and I just soaked it all in. You know, you'd walk over the top of the TV sets and see uh, Mickey Mouse Club and and Home Improvement being shot, and uh, mm. you know, I was just absorbing everything, and then watching DVD extras of how they shot films, and so I just started teaching myself and uh because i needed a hobby (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i had two i had two dreams you know anytime you start anything you have like what would i love to do like you start dreaming in a perfect world and my two dreams that i don't know which was more unachievable than the other but one was to direct a full-length um music documentary and the other was to um direct an MXPX uh, music video because they were my heroes. I mean, they were my all-time favorite band. Um, Again, neither of which I ever thought I would get to do. You know, fast forward, now I've done, I think, three full-length music documentaries directed, and then uh, I think I'm on, Mike and I were talking the other day, I think I'm on nine or ten with MXPX, and who knows how many more with Mike and offshoots of that. So, like, and and that's mind-boggling to me. Like, that's totally humbling. I never in a million years dreamed of that, you know. That had to be really cool because I was actually looking at – I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a little bit of research today because I know you did some of the stuff. What else did you do? And I was like, holy crap, you did a ton of, like, just videos with Mike. Like, just recording songs and doing stuff. Sounds great, you know? Yeah, you know, so the first band that I ever got to work with uh, was Flatfoot 56, who – they were, I'm 38 now, so they were kind of, we're the same age, and they were kind of coming up in the scene at the same time, so I wasn't necessarily a fan, but I knew about them, and, you know, over time, they, they kind of replaced a lot of those first and first wave bands that went through Cornerstone and stuff like that, and mm. uh, and I really liked them, and they were the first ones to give me a shot at, like, hey, come out and do a music video for us when I was you know, probably about a year into learning video production. And I just thought that was the most incredible thing because I went back to Cornerstone. We filmed this live music video at Cornerstone. So it was really full circle for me going from a fan to there now being there with a band. And, um, you know, I did that and uh, I was a big MXPX fan and I got to know Mike and the guys from like being in fan club events. You know, they get to know faces and they're always so good about giving people time and stuff. And uh, we have an airplane here in uh, Valparaiso, Indiana, that that it's a really cool older airplane. And th- there was a photographer on tour with MXPX, and he's like, hey, um, we have a day off around Chicago. What's the chances of going flying? And, and like, those are my two favorite things in the world, MXPX mm. and airplanes. 
and I couldn't believe it. So um, we we spent the day flying, and uh, I was on, you know, I, I was like just living it up. And uh, Mike and I became friends. We just kind of hit it off, and uh, got to know each other, and started. He he really loves film, just himself. He's he's actually a really good filmmaker, and uh, so he's like, "Why are you not doing our stuff?" Like like that nonchalantly, not that day, but a little bit later, and I about fell over. I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> why am question. I doing your stuff? And so that's how it, that's how it started. Uh, they had they had shot a documentary. Um, they were actually filming for it when at the airport. Ironically, it ended up getting put on the back burner, and then he he circled back around and said, "Hey, we have footage for this documentary. Would you like to direct it?" And so I inherited a bunch of footage, and and that was the first project so that's like the very quick version of how we kind of got to know each other and how i started working with them but i mean i i mean i i obviously i i was thankful he trusted me because i don't know if i trusted myself no. <laughs> like you know i didn't have the credentials or even the resume or the real like i didn't i couldn't even put together anything like he had seen some stuff i had done but he trusted me more than anything mm -hmm. and i i appreciated that faith you know so yeah well, you get that. I imagine it's similar in, in video and whatnot. Like when I was doing uh, working at recording studios out here, uh, there is this point to where I had recorded like thousands of bands beforehand. And then I was like, we'll move out here. And as soon as I got here, it's like the big time. So I'm scared about everything. And uh, you get in and one time like the engineer is not there and I'm the assistant. And they're like, hey, you're you're up. And I'm like, uh, OK, you know, and then they trust you like just completely. They don't. And you're like, you just have to play it off a little bit. So I'm sure it's somewhat similar. Like you're just like, okay, I'm taking the reins. I got to go very much. Yeah. And you know, obviously you had put in the hard work ahead of time. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, it's scary and a little overwhelming because maybe that's high profile, but you know, mm -hmm. one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when I was starting out was someone was like, you know, you is you're learning. Do not take any paid jobs for a year. And I've actually mm -hmm. continued to give that out, at least for, for film. Um, and the reason why is because uh, they're like, you're, you're not going to be good enough to handle the pressure. you got to go yeah. out and fail. And if there's money on the line, they're expecting a product return. Whereas if yeah. you're doing it for free, you have some grace there. And so I did a whole bunch of stuff and I messed up a whole bunch and uh, I learned. And so by the time that I, you know, Mike was, you know, around two years into kind of learning and growing, I felt like I could step up and do it. Like you said, you kind of have to go, okay, I'm here. I'm going to do it. He obviously trusts me. He likes what he's seen. So don't like second guess, try not to compare yourself too much to other people. So yeah, if you don't, if you second guess, I'm sure you, you know, that's when Mike would be like, Ooh, I don't know, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> um, I did something similar with, uh, John Feldman, like somebody had said, Hey, he needs an engineer. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'd love to do I'd love that. And so I got went out to his house and it was like suddenly he threw me into something like immediately with the, like some other writers. And I'm like, okay, I'm all right with that. Like I can, I can definitely run with it. And then he turns around afterwards. He's like, that's great. Can you do beats? And I'm like, I know I can. Do I want to? <laughs> you know, that's the question. And I probably should have, I probably should have jumped at it a hundred percent. But that, you know, just kind of weird thing in the back of my head. Like, I don't know if I want to like disappoint John Feldman, <laughs> you know? Like, so there's something to be said for going, ah, eh, you know, I want to make sure and stay within, you know, mm -hmm. not oversell yourself. Cause then, then you lose that trust that yeah. you're obviously getting. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah. So that, you know, that 
we began kind of a whirlwind last, you know, I don't, I don't know, 11 or 12 years now. And that's what kind of kicked it all off. Mm. Cool. So aviation is kind of like your main gig and then you still do this on the side. Yeah. Yeah. That was the goal was to become an airline pilot. You know, the older I got, uh, the less being away, it sounded fun, you know? So yeah. I actually, I ended up switching to aircraft management and, uh, working on a, a private jet company, uh, management company. And, uh, I did that for eight years. And, um, while doing the video production, it was essentially a hobby gun out of control. And I would be, you know, going on a tour or going flying out for events or to shoot a music video. And, um, then I would get, uh, then I'd go back and nobody would ever know I was gone. I'd, I'd be working at the aviation company. So mm. I, I recently in the last three years got out of aviation altogether oh. professionally. Um, I just found that it, it, it's such a burnout industry. And mm. um, my love of flying is really old vintage aircraft with like experimental uh, aircraft association and, and warbirds and stuff like that. So I found that I can be fulfilled, you know, outside of that realm and then have the older aircraft. If anything, I was getting burnt out on the thing I, that I loved about it. So mm. um, I actually, yeah, I got out of that and uh, I joined, it's a utility company, believe it or not, because doing uh, multimedia and video production. So, uh, but in a, in a corporate setting, which has mm. really allowed me to excel even faster in my work because I'm now doing that professionally and they're making an investment yeah. from in me to continue to do that. I wasn't sure how it would work, but it, it's, it's actually accelerated the process. That's really cool. I did not know that. Yeah. It's weird and random. And I don't know if anybody has a, even a remotely similar path in, but I think mm. that's what kind of makes it unique and, and cool, you know? Yeah. From doing some of these podcasts and from like even listening to a ton because I'm an avid podcast listener, like a lot of the people that do work in the industry, they got in like through some weird way. It's not like you go to school and then you go to here and then this is what you become, you know, like. Yeah. And there's look, you know, no slam on that. That's that's great. I I didn't plan to do this. And and if I did, you know, I think that's one of the big things for me. I was always beg, borrowing and stealing gear, you know, and I, I'd go back and like watch, um, uh, you know, Robert Rodriguez's early stuff or, you know, these independent films like Blair Witch. And I'm like, OK, well, why did these handful of films that had zero budget and have just garbage equipment, how did they do so well in a sea of independent films? And what I found yeah. was... Um, they, they took the things they could do really, really well, and they just focused on those things. Um, and that was really like a light bulb moment for me because like early on, I didn't know how to color correct. I was using Sony Vegas because it was the only thing my old computer could run. And yeah. I didn't know how to color correct. So I'm like, okay, what would Robert Rodriguez do? And so I'm like, I'm going to make it black and white because I have terrible lighting and I have all this. And then people are like, well, that was a really cool artistic effect. Why did you choose that? I'm like, because I didn't know how to make it look because it looked amateur and I knew it looked amateur. So how do I avoid the problem and focus only on what I can control? And I think that that's kind of been my hallmark as I've moved on. So every project I've and I still to this day do this. I'm like, what is one new thing I want to learn on the next project? Instead of getting overwhelmed by, and I think this is what happens going back to, um, you know, students that go to film school and stuff like that. It's almost like they know too much. And yeah. um, I mean, I, I'll say it over and over again. 
I did some of those early stuff. I'll go back and look, and I'm like, I had no business doing this stuff. <laughs> I almost did it because I, you know, this ignorance is bliss. Like I was just moving along in the process and doing without a fear of like, well, I'm not using these lenses and I don't have this lighting. I was just shooting. I just love cinematography. I love framing and I'd figure it out and post. And um, I, that really served me well. And then instead of going, okay, I have to learn everything, you know, and as technology gets better, you have, a, you have Hollywood has all these jobs that people do one thing. That's all they do in a Hollywood movie yeah. is one thing. And one guy pulls focus, you know, that's it. Like, yeah, that's and, all he does. And, but now as technology is getting better and we've got 8K cameras and we've got color grading and 422 and all this one guy, an independent guy has to get better and better at, at, at being this jack of all trades. We're used to it was like, OK, get your focus somewhat right and you can kind of sort of color correct it. But um, so I just have continued to teach myself one new thing each project instead of getting mm. overwhelmed. And, and again, that served me really, really well. And I've been able to just kind of not compare myself, not do anything else, which is really discouraging. I'm sure you've you felt that as well. Oh, constantly, man. I mean, I'm sure you feel it, too, to where you're like, oh, well, what about this? My friend or something else you just saw. And you're like, oh, my stuff's not as good as that. Or yeah. mine could have been better or, or this or that. Mixing is, dude, it's a mind blow. Like, because you'll be like. <laughs> okay, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. And then by the end, you're like, oh, it sounds like garbage. And then like, you'll go out and you'll come back the next day and you'll be like, actually, that sounds really good. Like, what's wrong with me, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I struggle with that so much where I almost have to prevent myself from just looking because I'll just beat myself up. And not because I'm self-deprecating. I actually don't even tell people that because ultimately if it brings them joy, that was great. But um Oh yeah, the amount of like stomping around in my basement, screaming at my computer because I'm like, you're such an idiot. Why did you do that? Why did you make that shot? Why did you not do this better? You know? Mm. Um, oh gosh, I started yeah. a YouTube channel with my kids like at the beginning of this uh, because, and this was probably three or four years ago because I wanted to learn video. I was like, you know what? Video is huge right now. It's getting, it's only going to get bigger. Music industry is getting into us. Music stuff's kind of dying off. Everybody's doing everything at home. Uh, so I want to get into this. And the amount of times that I was like, why is it so often grainy? What did I do? Like, you know, why is why is it like this? You know, so you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, do you do uh, are you the actual like just one man band when you're doing it? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I did. I had no friends that did it. And um, I found that the local scene, you know, at the time and no offense if anybody from a the Chicago land sees this. Um, the, the, at least in Northwest Indiana was very, uh, kind of stuck up. I just was looking oh, yeah. for people that were, were creatives that to, to like engage with. And it was this very like towny sceney type thing. And, um, I was really turned off by that and it was really discouraging. And, um, I just, I just set out to, it was, like I said, it wasn't a competition. I was just looking to create and, and like engage the process and geek out about it with people. And, I didn't have that. And then yeah. coupled with having weird flight hours and everything else. So I kind of did what I was doing in a bubble. Um, I'd often get people that come later and were like, oh, well, you're in the Chicago scene, so you must know these people. And I'm like, I, I don't know anybody. Like, yeah. I didn't work with like local bands. Normally, any creatives that come up, you kind of work within that scene and you go out from there and you go regional and then national. I Like I said, I went from working with, with Flatfoot and then right to MXPX, you know, mm. uh, 
and then it was from there it was all word of mouth at that level of bands and again i i say that very humbly because they just were friends that that were willing to give me a shot and uh so um so no i just yeah so i learned how to do it all i hate editing I, i i was editing earlier i i absolutely hate editing um cinematography is what i love i love having a camera in my hand even more than directing mike had asked me on one of his podcasts you know if i had to if i had to choose if we had a big enough set and a budget and everything else i think cinematography is probably what i would just to be able to focus on that and nothing else i would i would love to do sometime but um and i get to do that with the haunting films we'll we'll circle around to to those at some point but um yeah, uh, so I've just taught myself and learned from beginning to end because uh, Mike needed a film and I wasn't going to let him down. So Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, I kind of felt you'd said earlier a little bit about uh, the kind of towniness of, I guess, Chicagoland area and, you know, not being a big hub like Hollywood or something like that to where, you know, people feel a little bit stuck up. And I felt the same exact way with audio. Like I had a studio right next to the uh, Franklin house Mm -hmm. and uh, I, there's people that would like just pop their heads in every once in a while and be like, Hey, what's going on? And it was like, actually like some of the local people in town that did some recording and they just come to like be weird. (laughs) Like what is going on? Like, and they talk crap about me behind like to other people. Like, what is this? I just, I'd like to be friends with people. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get that need to like tear down. Um, yeah. You know, to build I, themselves up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I had friends that, uh, saw what I was doing, you know, once the stuff started coming out, that was a little bit more, you know, more national. Um, and they'd say, Hey, and these are people that went to film school and they're like, Hey, can we sit down and like grab coffee and talk about what you're doing in like your process. And I'm like, yeah, I've been waiting for this. I love this. This yeah. is amazing. I kid you not. I had two separate people on two different occasions as I started showing them. Uh, they go, wait, you use Sony Vegas. And they literally started laughing and that was the end of the conversation. They didn't want to hear anything else. Now they had no clue. They, they loved the product, but they were so uh, turned off because I was using the only thing I can afford uh, mm-hmm. that they, they cut the conversation. They didn't want to talk to me anymore about what I was doing because I was less than that. And that was just dumbfounding to me. So, you know. That's a hilarious thing, dude. I mean, like the software that you use, as long as you can get it done, what is the freaking issue? I know, that, but that's what I, that's what I experienced. So, um, yeah, so it's just been me uh, creating stuff with my friends. That's mm-hmm. it's kind of been my, what I, what I kind of work off, so. Very cool. Um, I was going to ask, I saw that you'd had, because of this whole crazy quarantine thing, I saw that you had directed, I think one of the MXPX videos remotely. Now, how on <laughs> earth does that work? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, we had this song and I had it for a little while and, uh, um, so Mike's like, Hey, you know, I, I wanted, we want to do a video so one thing to know with Mike and I, we've been friends now, I think for like 12 years or something like that. And we've been working together side by side, uh, for that, for the entire time, always with projects. And that's really one of the cool things. Cause even when we'll throw around ideas and like collaborate, we'll revisit those ideas. So say we don't have the technology or whatever, cause we're doing it all DIY. Uh, we will always revisit this stuff. So we had always, and we, we would geek out over a lot of the same music and movies and stuff like that and music videos um 
And again, he's so he knows film so well that we I can have a conversation with him that I couldn't with with most other people. But we'd always talked about doing something with time. And so he called me. He's like, hey, um, I want to shoot a video um, and I want to play with time. So really, I thought I was <laughs> well, I will, I will say this. A lot of the MXPX videos I direct, I think he's calling to to have me consult on the video. <laughs> and then I find out later I'm actually directing the video. So that that's happens uh, more often than you'd think. Better um, than the other way. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, we, we discussed, okay, here's what I would do. Here's how I would film it. We shot that whole thing on iPhones, uh, that which is really cool as well. And yeah. we're using moment lenses, which I just absolutely love. So if you ever want like a good mobile lens, moment is the only ones I've I ever used. I've used them since they were in Kickstarter. But so anyway, I kind of said, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to play with time. Here's how we're going to speed it up, slow it down, all of that. And uh, then I would take photos and I would frame photos and I'd send him stills knowing that he could actually pull it off. And we went back and forth and he'd go film footage and I would give him notes and he'd go back out, and um, so we just kept working through the process, and, and and he would go out and do it. And that was the other thing is, um, again, that high bar, I never – it's just me, but I never want it to seem like it's just me, or I don't ever want it to seem like it was just shot with an iPhone. Or if we're going to do this, let's try to push ourselves hard enough to create something that is different. You know, I feel like with COVID um, – there's so much garbage art. I'm just going to say it. And normally I wouldn't throw stones like that. And I'm talking about like celebrities. It's like, oh, yeah. well, all we have is a phone. So we're going to do the same thing where we put everything like, you know, across the screen, like a Skype call. And that will be the video. No, you know, that's great. Like, I'm great. You guys are doing it. That's fine. But for me, when I get in those situations, and again, this is how I've worked without much equipment, I've had to kind of say, okay, how can I elevate and think outside of the box? I was determined not just to put the video, you know, you know, frame it yeah. out like that. So I tried to be really creative with the editing and um, with the with the framing, with what he was doing. And yeah, so that's how we did it. And we worked through the process and it was a lot of fun. And I could say, hey, now I've directed an entire music video remotely. and. So that's pretty awesome uh, and something cool to do for, you know, during coronavirus when you couldn't do anything like that. They, you know, at the beginning, there's obviously there's obviously like nothing for us, anyone, anyone of us to do. And so all these people are just jumping into it because, I mean, what else do they have to do? And I've, I've had this fight for a real long time. In fact, the whole point of this stupid uh, podcast or, that I've started is to kind of push me to start a record label. So I'm just interviewing people that, you know. I want to talk to about, you know, that have insight into things that are going to be attached to the record label. And, you know, so my whole idea is you can't just sell music anymore. You've got to do a lot more content. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether we hire someone to do the content, you know, I'll second. Okay, I guess they're not coming in. No, no, they are. <laughs> Hi, Penny. Sorry, I put the table there. Yeah. Can you pull it back when you're done? It looks ugly. <laughs> See, that's like one of the haunted films I would film, the, the moving table by itself. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> off screen just pulling it. <laughs> but I mean, like the whole, okay, back to what I started at before I was interrupted. Uh, the whole thing with, you know, with music, I think, is they need to be selling, they're do, doing a lot more than just selling music. 
And so everybody's jumping into this. All the things online, all these, you know, all the, the cameras and the capture cards and lower end, uh, like, video editing stuff is, like, missing off the shelves. So And everyone's just jumping into it. Do you think the band should be doing a lot more of that? Sorry, jump back to that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm working with this new band. This is, it's, it's been kind of cool for me. There was this band called uh, Till Morning, and uh, they're named Parker originally, and they were, they've been grinding in Chicago for the last couple of years. And uh, Flatfoot actually uh, told me about them, and Tobin from Flatfoot. And uh, the, the thing with me is I don't have a lot of time because I obviously have a family and a career, and film is something I still do, but... I have to be very picky about my projects. I have mm -hmm. a couple, a, a roster of really great artists I work with, and it pretty much takes up all the time I have. And MXPX or Five Irons or all those bands are going to get my first priority. Anyway, this band, uh, they came to me, and I and I ended up turning them down like three or four times. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I, you know, you good, but I just I don't have time to work with a new band, and it would have to be considerable amount of money. And frankly, mm -hmm. you're brand new, you're not signed. I feel bad taking your money from you because with YouTube and the way and Facebook and, and it's all pay to play and you have to pay to get views, um, no one will ever see your video. So I can do the best video for you, but nobody will actually see it no matter how good it is. Yeah. Um, so long story short, we've been working. These guys, it's, it's been fun because they really were persistent and their stuff is, is phenomenal that they're doing. They went out and got some, just an incredible Sean O'Keefe who did fallout boys stuff. He's been producing their stuff and they just really won me over and we did their video. And, uh, I, I've been walking with them through the process. I've been working with these bigger bands for so long. I, it's kind of taken me back to the beginning of when I was a fan, like getting behind a new band, you know? Mm. And, um, so I say all that to say that I've been kind of walking them through the process of working and getting a record label. And one, the, one of their questions was, how do we make content without you? Mm. Um, and I think there's ways to do it. I mean, if, again, if you look at the MXPX video, that cost us a uh, $100 iPhone lens. Yep. And I mean, if you don't count my time, so I guess it's little apples to oranges, but we filmed all that with an iPhone. We mm. did it in, I mean, you have to have, you know, I used uh, Premiere to, to edit it, but um, gosh, I'm, tr I'm trying to think. That's a really great question. <laughs> um, I think I think bands should. I think they should be doing this. I think it, it's, it's kind of one of those uh, skills they have to have at this point. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to, to blow you away. But to challenge yourselves to go and learn the process. I mean, YouTube has everything, just video 101. Um, heck, even the apps now, you know, I have some friends, like kids ch at church where they, we were having like a, a homemade movie competition between me and the kids where we can only use an app. And in fifth grade, I used to make stop motion animation movies uh, with mm -hmm. claymation in my G.I. Joe's and using a big over the shoulder VHS camera and I'd start and stop, you know, and now they have explosions and all this like Michael Bay effects on an iPhone app. So, yeah. Um, I think the technology is there. I think it's a matter of willingness and yeah, it's unfortunately a game you have to play now if you want to get into it, you know, into the industry. I was speaking a little bit about willingness to it because, uh, you know, my whole thing is like, I want to find it. I want to find a younger band probably that's really, willing to jump into this a million percent. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird is I think that the older artists are better at it. I think like you see Mike, I mean, I don't want to say older, but you know, like, 
a while. And so, like, MXPX has been around a little bit. And so they, they he does stuff all the time. He's got a podcast. You know, he's got all the videos that he does. Uh, Less Than Jake's Krista Makes has a podcast. John Feldman does stuff online. Like, uh, and there's a myriad of other people, too, that is doing all this stuff. And I feel like the older people are doing it more gracefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the ones that are surviving and that are adapting with the times are definitely doing it. You know, um, Devin from Till Morning same thing. Mm-hmm. He found me because of the work I'd done with MXPX. So he's like, hey, I want to work with you. You, you. I loved your stuff, which was very humbling. But um, in, in a, that was a lot of his asks. He's like, what is Mike doing? How is he doing this? And one mm-hmm. thing I've always said about Mike is he's been so willing to adopt new technology as long as I've known him. And in the last 12 years, a lot of new technology, especially the online, has happened. So it's been a very fast-moving time. And he would just whatever new stuff he would sign on, engage it. It might not be what he stuck with long term, but he didn't fear it where a lot of guys is like, oh, with my record label is doing it. I mean, that's that's what I would yeah. hear. And that's what's caused MXPX to, to move into like an independent and, and frankly be their own record label is because of a willingness to go, okay, I'm going to challenge myself. Well, we were talking earlier this week about uh, doing a, like almost a TV production studio type thing, and, and he's been taking that on. Not like he's, they're doing a TV show, but just like what would we need to do to have like a camera switcher and, and be able to do this remotely yeah. in ourselves? I've seen some amazing stuff. Like, doesn't Black uh, Magic Audio now have like a super like, simple camera switcher? Yes. And it's like super cheap. Yes. Like something that would have cost you like hundreds of thousands of dollars like 10 years ago is like 300 bucks that's what everybody's using i just had a conversation right before this uh about that actually not with mike but with somebody else so yeah uh it's all there it's all available it's how much you want to engage it you know Mm -hmm. and and you're right bands historically have been able to play music and they let the a and r department and and everything else worry about that but they it, it needs to be them um yeah, which it's it's very interesting, but yeah, it's it's something they need to engage for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the very least, they need to be doing you know something on their own, uh, like like that. I for my for what I want to do for a record label, I don't know if you've ever if you watch YouTube at all, but uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, people on there is Linus Tech Tips. Okay, you know who I'm that not is? familiar. I'm not super. Okay. YouTube, if you've probably but... seen him, you'd be like, okay, I know who that guy is. Yeah. Um, but they have probably 15 separate channels and they all do something a little bit different. And he started off just doing tech stuff, but it's, uh, it's kind of like, I want to run a record label similarly to that, to where you can focus on a lot of extra content to where, you know, it could be a lot of different things, uh, and have it not only on YouTube, but then you have the, you know, you could have recorded music, you have stuff that you can, you know, do through patreon or something like that it's just there's a lot of even even i'll listen to some podcasts about record labels and they're still just talking about like oh we're doing vinyl you know like uh this industry is way i mean like the rap people doing like rap are like way out there like way ahead of the curve and i feel like rock is kind of suffering just a little bit because of that 100 percent agree uh i'm i'm a huge hip-hop fan uh more often than not all what i listen to if i'm not listening to the stuff i'm doing with with whatever band I'm working with, um, I'm listening to hip hop. I mean, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a diehard Kanye West fan. I love Ring nice. Jewels. I love, I love all that. So, um, and frankly, a lot of that DIY spirit, like you're talking about, had left rock a long time ago and, yeah. and the hip hop scene has picked it up and run with it so well. I had a long conversation with my buddy, Andrew Cram, who, 
um, he he was uh, the manager of a band called Set It Off as they were up and coming, and then uh, he has been managing artists and and doing all kinds of stuff. Now he's running a really successful podcast, actually, uh, and he's all over the map. But he's really plugged in. He's in LA, and we were just talking about that because again, we're to keep, to keep going back to this till morning because it's in a similar boat of of the of a new artist coming in to break into the scene, and he was talking about just the artists that he's following that are seeing these bands basically become their own own record label own yep. uh, promotion company own printing company own video company mm-hmm. and uh holding out until it, it's profitable for a record label to find it's what you're talking about you want to find these bands mm-hmm. that are going to do the work because you record labels don't have I mean, generally, the money and income to go out and afford all the stuff that you used to be able to afford in the '90s or 2000s, you know. Yeah, I think, and I think there's a different, a little bit of a different focus too. Then, but but yeah, well, and also things have been way cheaper than what you know way back when to True. have go into the studio. It would be like two thousand dollars a day, mm-hmm. and now you can do everything kind of in your home. I mean, to be honest, I just did. I uh, just worked with this band called the Dares. And we did everything except for maybe guitars in their practice spot. Hmm. I even think we did some lead guitar stuff in their practice spot. And it was kind of like, this sounds great. I mean, it sounds like you did it in a regular studio. Why do we have to do it? You know, not that I don't love going to like classic studios around town. Of course. But, uh, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, take money from over there and bring it over here and do this or that. So. I agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, Yuri, I think they, he just said that he recorded drums for one of their newer songs in at his house because Mike was down in Waco, you know, where they split time. And uh, it, was in, it was just his home drum set and he had the mics and so they were able to do it and nobody would have ever known that. I mean, what yeah. Kanye said that like 50% of his last couple records have been done on an iPhone. Yeah. I mean, and, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. If you, if you, uh, he just came out in an interview and said like, 50% of, or some number around there, uh, most of the vocals he did were recorded into an iPhone. Man, so, I, have to, I have to listen to that again and think, like, yeah. wow. I know, but the point point being is just, I mean, again, for all I've been doing this in my house with, you know, relatively low amounts of equipment or overhead, and yeah, thankfully I've had, I've, it's been able to be seen around the world. So, uh, you know, more often, you know, more, more now than ever, you know, that that's possible. What do you kind of like rock for a setup for doing this video stuff? And what would you recommend for bands, labels, anything, someone else who doesn't know what they're doing? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. They're going to be two different things. I mean, um, you know, for me again, I've I've kind of built it. I was Canon for for forever, um, and it served me well. Um, you know, I finally made the switch to mirrorless and to Sony. Uh, that I my personal style of shooting, I love um, Terrence Malick and um, uh, Chivo and you know the uh, Lubetsky, the the cinematographer. So I love. Uh, big and wide in your face uh, shots with huge landscapes and uh, I think that's what kind of makes me a little bit of an anomaly I, I love all this you know river a, a three minute shot of a river running and then snow falling and then combine that kind of 
uh, feel with a punk band is, <laughs> you know, different. Um, probably do it with a metal band, to be honest. Yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> they do a lot more outside <laughs> stuff. True, yeah. So, um, so my gen, so my approach, and the other thing is, I, lo- I shoot a lot in clubs and a lot of live stuff. So I need that low light. So Sony, I was shooting with a Sony A7S II, which is kind of the go-to. Um, I personally love Sigma Sigma's art lenses. I'm so glad they just released those. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not blowing anybody away here. Most people would at this point are like, "Well, oh, you're not shooting with Reds or uh, you know Alexas or whatever." Yeah, it's just you know. I, this it works for me, and it's what I can afford, and and it's and it's been great. So, right, I actually am waiting uh, tomorrow. They're shipping out the A7S III, which is the camera I've been waiting for for a couple of years. So I have that nice. on pre-order. It gets shipped to me tomorrow, and then yeah, those Sigma uh, 14 to 24 lenses with the 24 to 70 are kind of my two go-to, and then I'll use a couple primes in there, 28, um, or you know, obviously a Nifty 50, but. Um, that's kind of my setup. I love natural lighting, so I try to light it uh, as as minimally as I can, um, and then um, you know, obviously jump around between a gimbal and sliders and handheld and and that kind of thing. So it's a pretty fast moving run and gun setup uh, for music video shoots. But again, it, it it works well for me. And if you don't know what it is and you like the final product, then doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, get the uh, job done. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that that setup is still going to cost you ten thousand dollars. So uh, you know, for the average person, you know, I think for someone like a band, and again, that Devin was asking me what Mike's doing. You know, a moment lens. Uh, I I can't. I swear by them. I you know I just love their stuff. For it's a hundred dollars, so it's not necessarily cheap when you're looking at an iPhone attachment. Um, but it's cinema grade lens, so. Uh, any of the cheap stuff that you would clip on or attach, um, any any lenses you add to pre-existing lenses is only going to decrease the quality. So yeah. um, to add a cinema-grade quality lens is going to decrease it very little, but the effect is very different. Um, I would have said, you know, the iPhone new super wide lens on the you know the on the Pro models of the iPhone are great and maybe even will match a uh, moment, but the camera is so crappy that you can't use it for anything good. I, I've, I can't believe I'm saying that about an iPhone, but that super wide angle lens that they push is, is garbage. So, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so just FYI. Um, but yeah, if you get a moment lens and um, even the audio with the iPhone is fine. If Kanye says it's fine, I say it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I'm possi- still up in the air. I, gotta, I have to listen to that and think, I, I don't know, man, like a Going through a microphone on a phone? I don't know. I miss maybe. <laughs> His point was that it was that good that it was done on an iPhone. Anyway, so, um, you know, maybe a gimbal, one of the small handheld uh, gimbals for your phone. And mm-hmm. you can do a lot with that. I mean, what you're seeing with MXPX, a lot of the, the stuff they're releasing is just the super wide angle lens. It's the fish, that moment. They also make a super wide that's really great. I personally really like the fish. And um, they're just it's got that '90s feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it would, except it doesn't curve all the way around. It just provides in the edges the the right amount of curve to where, unless you know, you don't. It doesn't look too dated. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, just with that setup, so I don't know, two hundred, three hundred bucks. Um, 
go on eBay, you're you're probably in business. And, and then it's just nice. go on YouTube, spend some time. It's part of the craft, you know. Um, they're, they're obviously doing the things necessary to 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 play their instruments, to to write songs, to to you know perfect yeah. their live performance. You're doing the, that what's necessary to start a label or to to produce and stuff like that. Mm. This is part of the game now. Like this is just part of it. So spend some time on YouTube, learn how to do it. Ask your kid's sister because she probably already knows and you know how to make a YouTube video. And just start there and then get better as you do it. That's the other thing. Like you're not gonna be good and until you put the stuff in the computer and edit it or edit it on your app now as most people do. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna know what to fix until you put it in and start editing it. That's the yeah. that's the other big thing. So you have to go out, you have to film a whole bunch and then know what to not do or to do better next time. So that yeah, would probably it's real yeah. scary sometimes to get started and I think like even with me when I was first starting out, like I wanted to learn all that I could so that the first thing that I did was really good. And I just what I kind of had to do is just be like, just do something and release it yes. because you're only going to get better the more you do it. Yep, absolutely. And and go find don't I find that have a purpose to those projects. You know, you don't go, oh, I'm just going to go and experiment and walk around the yard and film a dog like you're going to quit real quick because you're going to go, OK, I tested it out. Mm. Go and create something. Go make a mini music video or a mini montage. Like actually try to do something that you would release because you're going to put more effort. You're going to find a lot more weak areas when you're actually going out and trying to do something as opposed to just testing, you know. So that's what I'd recommend for a home setup is a really good home setup starter. Mm. So or for like bands to use. Cool. Uh, Software. Man, that's a tough one. Uh, I see. I, I've been using well Sony Vegas, obviously, and then I made the jump <laughs> to Premiere Pro. Um, so I have the, the you know the full Adobe Creative Cloud, um, but that's obviously not accessible for somebody that's starting out and on a budget because that's a big monthly charge. It's expensive. It is. Uh, I think you, you can do a lot. You know, if if you have a Mac, which most creatives do, I'm one of the few that have always met edited on a PC. But yeah, if nice. you if you have a if you have a Mac, you have what? I, is it iMovie? Is that what's on there? Yeah, they got iMovie, and uh, I think there's Final Cut Pro. Is not that expensive. Okay, and you yeah. get it forever. Okay, so yeah, there you go. And you can probably find old versions of it on eBay or whatever else. So if you have a Mac, get iMovies there. It's free. That will be more than enough to do these mini movies that you want. And if you're serious about it and you like the process, yeah, go find Final Cut for cheap, an old model. If you're a student and, you know, someone's in college in the band or go, you know, there's the student licenses, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, Adobe's, and I think there's the the, the student discounts on, on that as well. But um, yeah. I mean, but even if you have, all you have is a phone, iMovie's on the phone and that's free. And I've edited stuff. I, I might let my son, because he wanted to do stop motion animation like me. We did it all on an old iPad and that was all free. So mm-hmm. um, don't let that stuff stop you. Like you said, go out and just do. Find reasons to do, not excuses not to, or you don't have the gear, or you don't have all that. You have something. Everybody has an iPhone at this point or something like it. I know for a long time there was, uh, even in the audio industry, when I first got started in like 1998, like everyone was like, you you have to have a Mac. You have to have this or that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I do uh, up until about like 10 years ago. 
and where Macs are just stupid expensive. Not everybody can afford that. And then all the software that they used to say only works really well on Mac starts to work really well on PC. I mean, especially, I think, for video. I think video has made huge strides yeah. uh, on the PC level to where I used to, I went from buying Macs to making Hackintoshes, then just going to straight PC. So Yeah, well, that was me. I, again, I couldn't afford it. Sony Vegas mm-hmm. is the only thing that would run on my computer and, and I could afford. And... Um, it's it's worked really well. Now the rest of the now the rest of the world's like, oh, use a PC. We're not going to shun you for that. But that was one, another reason to get shunned back in the day. So, yeah, I mean, I, for audio stuff too. I mean, like, I you have no idea how many times when I was in like a super expensive studio, being the engineer, someone will come in with this crappy laptop they've been kicking around with stickers all over it, and all that we're using is like the you know the eighth in jack, click click, and they're using like a Fruity Loops way back when to where it was like this is a PC only thing. So. Yeah, I mean, you use what you got. I mean, it's super easy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the fact is, if you've got the vision for it and you've got the drive for it, like, people are going to notice your stuff. It doesn't matter what, what gear you're using, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's certainly what's happened with me. So Cool. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on and talking a little bit about that. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully next time I'm around town, we could get some coffee. Yeah, man. We'll uh, geek out over... Uh, uh, 90s and 2000 punk music. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. So cool. Peace hey, out. thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.